Good morning. I want to bless each one in Christ's name this morning, and uh, we'll welcome each visitor here also that's here with us this morning. So yes, today's Father's Day, and as much as we don't need to don't want to neglect that, that's not where I felt led to look at this morning. But I did think that as we think this. This month that um, the world or our country is celebrating what is antithetical to God with with Pride Month, it often the feminization of men is a complete attack on what God's design was for fathers. And it's just ironic and discouraging maybe at times to see what's happening in the world around us, but we are called to be faithful in spite of all that. For my message this morning, I felt led to look again at our, our study on Daniel, and this morning I want to look at Daniel chapter 7, so you can turn there. Over the last 12 months, um, I kind of I was surprised when I went back and looked at my, uh, I keep notes on what, what I've preached on to help keep from getting into ruts or repeats. But we've been looking at Daniel now for 12 months. The first six chapters looked at the life of Daniel and times when he helped interpret dreams or visions that other people had. The last six chapters of Daniel are more on prophecy. And um, as you may remember, December we looked at close to Christmas time, or maybe it was Sunday right after Christmas, we looked at Daniel chapter 9, where the Holy Spirit through Daniel made prophecies pointing ahead to Christ and his coming and what he would do and what he would mean to the children of Israel and to the world. But today we're going to start looking, we're going to look at chapter 7. And then when it comes time, we'll jump over chapter 9 because we've already looked at it. But I want to give a quick review as we think about um, chapter 7. I found that as I was researching this and studying this, that there are quite a few people who believe that there's direct correlation that the chapter 7 is basically reiterating chapter 2. And I was hoping to have a PowerPoint this morning, but as you can see, that won't, uh, wouldn't have been possible. Um, but if you remember that image that I showed, that man in chapter, the statue in chapter 2 of Daniel, his head was of gold, I believe his shoulders were of silver and then brass, and then it got down to iron legs and feet mixed with clay and iron. And if you believe that these are talking about the same, I'm not here this morning to argue with you or even to put you down. I don't believe that if disagreement on this chapter will lead me or you into sin if we disagree on what it's talking about. But at the same time, 
I am going to give my opinion and beliefs as we go through this chapter, and I hope it can be challenging to you, and you can find the study interesting that I believe there was a reason that it's in the Scripture. Even though it's maybe hard to understand, we should still study and look at it. So Daniel chapter 7, verse 1 says, In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. So up to this point, like I had said, he, he was interpreting dreams and visions of others. Today, uh, th- At this point now, God begins revealing things to him directly. As we'll see at the end of the chapter, he didn't immediately just go out and tell people in Babylon. He didn't tell his fellow Jews about it immediately. But as it says here, he wrote them down. And then at some point, it was put into the canon of Scripture. But why did God give these visions and dreams to Daniel? And I believe, as we know, that the chapters and verses, divisions were added later, so we can't say that there was Holy Spirit-driven chapters, but there was a reason that each of these chapters were divided out, and as we'll go and look at each chapter, I believe they were given to different groups of people. Um, chapter 9, there was prophecies, predictions of, of the coming Christ. And that was given, obviously, to both Jew and Gentile. Chapter 8, as we'll... I just briefly looked at it so I wouldn't be getting confused or whatever or go someplace I shouldn't with this one. Chapter 8, I believe, is focused to the Jews. Chapter 7, I believe, is more focused to the church, to Christians. And I'll explain why as we go through. But let's pick up verse 2 there of chapter 7. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea, And four beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion, had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. It seems like a strange creature. Why did did it have wings? Why did a lion have wings? And I think in each one of these beast creatures that Daniel describes, that the Holy Spirit, that God showed him, he was just trying to give the best explanation he could of the knowledge he had of creatures. And he would see this thing and he would just try to describe it as best he could. As we get down to the fourth beast, you'll see that he struggles even more to describe really what it is. The, uh, verse 5, the second beast. And behold, another beast, a second one, like to a bear, and it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it, between the teeth of it. And they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. So there we have the third or the second beast. 
is a little bit easier to understand. It's just a bear. We all know what a bear is. Um, if you see pictures, if you do a search on the internet for pictures of the four beasts of Daniel 7, it's fascinating. The different authors, I mean, different artists describe it maybe a little bit differently. This one's easier to see, but this bear, just as we know bears do, will kill humans. Lions do too, but in the sense here, it didn't seem like the second beast. There was power there, there was authority. But the second beast is much more cruel, and it says it devoured much flesh, meaning, I believe, that this king, this kingdom that it represented, would kill many, many people. Verse 6, After this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. This sounds like a really strange beast, and if you see pictures depicted of it, artists, you say, have fun or difficulty in trying to depict a leopard with four heads. It just doesn't look right. Also, four wings. But yet, that's the picture, that's what the best way that Daniel had to describe it. And then verse 7, After this I saw in the night vision, and behold, a fourth beast. And he doesn't even try to give it a description of an animal. So apparently there was no animal that could describe it. It's dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it. And it had ten horns. And I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was as white as snow, and of his hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels were burning as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were opened. So this fourth beast often is pictured as a dragon. But yet, it says here, it was a terrible beast, and he doesn't even try to find a comparison in nature. But often, if you see images of it today, they, they depict it as a dragon, a dinosaur-type animal with ten horns coming out of his head. Like I mentioned before, there's thought that some by some people that these... Beasts here are simply another description of what we see in Daniel 2. As I studied this, I I disagree with that, and you will see why as we go through it. But I'm going to just for um, to go back and 
review what we looked at in Daniel chapter 2. That statue, the head was Babylon. The silver breast and arms were the Medo-Persian Empire, which was the story of Esther came out of that time period. The brass belly and thighs, we believe, were Greece. And the legs of iron and then the feet also were Rome. Now as we think of these four beasts here, do we see any similarities with them in the description? And to me, they, they feel very different. It's possible that, yes, that God was just giving a new vision to Daniel to reinforce what he had given to Nebuchadnezzar. But I, I disagree with that viewpoint, and I'll explain why as we go through the message. Turn with me to Revelations chapter 13. Revelations chapter 13, we're going to look at the first two verses there. As we think about the four beasts in Daniel 7, as we read this, And I stood upon the sand of the sea. Remember, it talked about in Daniel chapter 7, verse 2, about the sea. And saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, And upon his horns, ten crowns, and upon his head, the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth was the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. And so here is where we actually get the idea today when authors draw, or artists draw a picture of this fourth beast of it being a dragon, because we see here listed the other three, a leopard, a lion, and a bear, and then the fourth was a dragon. What is the sea when it's referring to the sea? And um, one person I came across as I was studying said that the sea often refers to the world, that kingdoms arise up out of the world, out of mankind. And so once again here, it says coming up out of the sea or up out of the world. And if you combine this passage here in Revelations chapter 13 with Daniel 7, it talks about one beast, but it being like the four beasts. And it talks about seven heads. And if you add up the bear, the lion, the leopard, and the four heads of the leopard, you have seven heads. Talks about ten horns. And we have ten horns in Daniel chapter 7. So this is why I believe that these are talking about the same thing. In Daniel 7, it's like four different kingdoms. In Revelations 13, it's combining these four these four into one entity. And I believe that's not illogical to think about in the sense when we think about those four beasts being four kingdoms, when did those kingdoms take place? Some people try to say that the 
these four beasts were once again the Babylonian, the Medo-Persian Empire, Greece, and, and Rome. But I believe those are those four kingdoms we all know were pre the coming of Christ, were established before Christ came. I believe the four kingdoms that we see here in Daniel chapter 7 are after Christ ascended back to heaven. And so as we go through here, think about it in that way. If you disagree strongly with me and would like to have a discussion, I don't mind that at all if you come to me later to talk about it. So let's continue on in Daniel. Turn with me back to Daniel chapter 7, verses 11 through 15. I beheld then, because the voice of the great words which the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and time. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. And it was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. This sounds to me like a description of what we see in Revelations chapters 14 to 20. And it says that Daniel was grieved when he saw these visions. And if we we look in Revelations and we see all the terrible things that are going to take place, it's understandable why Daniel would be grieved. Let's, let's turn to Revelations 20, verses 1 to 4, to just tie them back and forth here and see if it sounds like we're speaking of the same thing. I know these are common passages, probably heard them numerous times, but Revelations chapter 20, verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed for a little season. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. So as we saw here in Daniel 7, there was a time given when these beasts and these kingdoms had power. And we'll see later it even says that they had power over the saints, over the church. And it seemed like they were winning. And yet, though, it talks in here that 
that would end, that the Son of Man, verse 13 of Daniel chapter 7, the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven. And that he would have a dominion, glory, and kingdom. And all people, nations, language would serve him. And so we see Revelations 20 being prophesied in Daniel chapter 7. It's easy if you're just reading Daniel chapter 7 alone to get confused and depending who you're listening to to even be deceived that the idea, well, maybe this means that we're going to have earthly kingdom here, that we're going to be able to take over the world and influence the world. And we see it today. I, I, I warned last year, I talked about this last year, um, of kingdom now theology, dominion doctrine, and seven mountain mandate being taught that teaches the idea that we can take the kingdoms of this world and influence them. And some even go so far to say that we have to do that so that Christ can return. But I believe that's as dangerous and false, just as it was for all the people since the ascension of Christ who tried to use the sword or political positions to make heavenly kingdoms here on earth, to take over the kingdoms here. But as we see that with what John said in Revelations here, we don't do it. We don't have victory against these rulers. Christ does. He comes in the clouds and with the saints, with the raptured church, with all the believers that died from the time of Christ to now, or maybe even all the way back to the Old Testament believers. I don't know, understand all that completely. But Christ comes back and He sets up an earthly kingdom where all peoples will rule Him. But many people have been deceived and confused into thinking that we can do it, that we need to try and as I said, take over the kingdoms of this world. But I believe this is dangerous and false, and we'll continue there in Daniel chapter 7, picking up at verse 19. Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and his nails of brass, which devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with his feet. And of the ten horns that were in his head and of the other came up, and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows, I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. So if you think that we can take over the kingdoms of this world that I believe these four beasts represent, it says that this beast... Um, we believe, I believe this is the Antichrist that he's speaking of here, will make war with the saints and he will prevail, meaning it will appear that he is winning until Christ returns. And so we need to be careful not to be deceived in our thinking.
We could also look at, and the idea here talks about that uh, the until verse, I'm sorry, verse 22, until the ancient of days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High until the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. What is it speaking of here that the ancient of days came and judgment was given to the saints? How many have heard of the Bema seat, of, the Bema seat judgment given by Christ? The idea is given that all believers, pre-rapture believers, will be judged and rewarded by God. I can't go into all of it. There's a lot of different passages, and that, that's a whole message unto itself. But 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must appear... We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. That's why I believe there are two judgments and here as it's prophesied in Daniel, believers will be judged, will be taken to heaven and judged, but not in the sense of we think of judgment as a punishment. Rather, this is a judgment of judging the works done by believers, whether good or bad. And it also speaks of, you heard of the judgment of reward rather than judgment as in when the last judgment, when the books are open and God judges the sinners and punishes them with hell. This is a different judgment it's speaking of here. But I believe that's what it's referring to here in Daniel 7.22. And I'm not going to go any further into that because that is, like I said, a whole other message into itself and I'm, I'm out of time here. So try to go quickly here. Let's read the last <clears throat> uh, verses of Daniel 7 here, verses 23 and on. Thus he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise and another shall arise after them. And he shall be diverse from the first and he shall subdue three kings. And he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. And think to change times and laws and they shall be given into his hand until a times and times in the dividing of time. But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, and my countenance changed to me, but I kept the matter in my heart. As we see here in verse 23, it says that the kingdom it shall be diverse from all kingdoms. Meaning that it, shall, it will look a lot different than what past kingdoms were. I don't know for sure what the lion, the leopard, and the bear all represent. A lot of people think that the bear represents Russia, and it, it may um, but I just have to 
find it interesting, I find it very interesting here in verse 23 when it says it shall be diverse from all kingdoms. What is the watchword of the culture today, the ones that are pushing the one world government and globalism? It's diversity. They want it to be diverse. Now, they don't always mean diversity. Sometimes it's a code word for basically racism and other things. But this kingdom is going to be different. We think of past kingdoms that have come upon the earth since Christ's ascension. We think of the British kingdom, whether or not that's one of these three. But it focused on being the same. If you were part of the British kingdom, you had to obey British law. You had to come under their authority. You had to speak English. What about the American kingdom? If we're one of those three, we don't know for sure, but you had to be American. You had to abide by our constitution and law. Once again, you had to speak English. If Russia is the bear, what did you have to do? You had to come under the rule of Russia. This fourth kingdom, which I believe is still yet to be revealed to us, to know exactly when and who and where it will be, will be quite different from that. It will be made up of many languages. It will be made up of many cultures. And it won't, it won't be at all like the past kingdoms are. So in closing this morning, why, do we, why should we study this and try to understand it? I don't believe we should spend too much time doing it. I don't believe all our time should be spent on prophecy and end times, but I believe we also shouldn't ignore it just because it's difficult to understand or because we don't like what it says. But I'm just going to give two reasons. There are probably more. I believe one reason we should study and try to understand it is that so we can see a small bit of what is coming in the future and are not deceived by Antichrist, little a, or the Antichrist, capital A. Secondly, so that when we're facing persecution and it appears that God's kingdom is losing, we can read the end of the chapter 7 here of Daniel. We can also read the last couple chapters in Revelations and see that God's kingdom ultimately will be victorious. Christ will return as King of kings and Lord of lords. And that can give us hope and peace no matter what we're going through. Turn with me to Revelations chapter 21. As we heard in Sunday school this morning, we should set our mind on Christ, on his kingdom, which that's where our eyes should be. But our goal also should be to recognize that no matter what we're facing here on earth, as Brian mentioned his devotions, things are getting worse and worse. As they say, things will get worse before they get better. It's a biblical concept too. Revelations 21, verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. 
And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these things, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Why do we need our tears wiped away? Because this life is full of discouragement, sorrows, and pain. We face death. We face loss of loved ones. face a loss of relationships at times. But yet, God will, in the end, wipe those tears away. And just as he said here in verse 6, he's the Alpha the Maggie. He's the beginning. He was here in the beginning before the earth existed. And he will be there until the end, even though the end is sort of like endless in the sense that there is all eternity. We don't have to worry or fear what lies ahead. We need to be careful that we're not deceived by teachings and people that want to take our focus off of Christ and lead us away from Him. But we need to recognize that He will, in the end, set up His kingdom. He has already set it up, but His kingdom will He'll bring to earth. But it will be Christ who does it, and He will have the ultimate victory. The Lord bless each one of you.